Hey, welcome back to Thriving on Mission. I'm the host, Matt Rogi, and we're here for another episode this week. As always, I'm with producer Quinn Harris. What's up, Quinn? What up? How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I hear you got some uh, guests in the building today. Yeah, we got the cats yeah. in here today. Yeah. Yeah. So just in case you know any of the viewers are watching and they see like a fur ball come flying across, yeah. that's Rue, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I, you know, when I came in and I saw Rue, I was like, yes, cats, because you know, I've got two cats, as you know, we know, and a lot of my listeners sort of roll their eyes. I'm like, yes, we know, Matt, you have cats. But <laughs> my dream, you know, again, this is, call it a silly dream or not, but I would love to have like shelves behind me and the cats up there lounging yeah. around and yeah. walking around. So we can make that happen. We can build some of those little bridges and stuff. That yeah. would be so yeah, that cool. Would be cool. That would be so cool. I want to do that in my house too, yeah, by the way. I do too. Yeah. Well, cool. Hey, got a great episode. Uh, this week, just uh, so, you know, a few different things to talk about, some things that have caught my eye and ear over the past week or so. And uh, But first, just a reminder to everybody, uh, if they should have seen on my channel over the past couple of days, uh, I've been talking about there's a suicide intervention training coming up here in Savannah, Georgia on September 26th. And this is actually being done in cooperation with uh, Fight the War Within Foundation. And that was Miranda Briggs from the last episode. And, um, and and an organization called the Armed Forces Mission. And this is an organization that's actually, it's based out of Georgia and they've been around, I think since 2013, I was looking at their website uh, just the other day and a gentleman by the name of Lou Kuhn, he uh, does this for the military, does it for first responders, churches, communities, this, this training. Um, and, and not necessarily, I mean, it is, awareness and prevention training. And that's something that a lot of people go through. Like in the military, everybody has to go through that training. But this is like the intervention training, how to recognize those signs and then what to do, you know, and which, I mean, I'm excited about going through the training. I'm excited about the energy around people, you know, getting more people to go through this training because I think, I know for me of being in that situation recently with somebody else, I don't know what the questions to ask. Yeah. I don't know. I'm afraid that if I ask the wrong question, I'm going to push them in a certain direction. I'm afraid if I don't ask a question, I'm going to push them in a certain direction. And, and ultimately, you know, there can end up being a lot of guilt if things go the wrong way, even though there shouldn't be, you know, but still that's, that's a huge burden. But I think from what I understand from this training, that it equips you with the skills and dispels some of the stigmas surrounding that um, so you can help somebody. Yeah. So really looking forward to that. Um, since uh, 2012, they've been in uh, eight years of service, the Armed Forces Mission doing this training. And it looks like they've had about 1,200 successful interventions so far. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and about 17,000 people have been trained so far. That's great. So yeah, they've, they've already yeah. did a training here I think it was last month where they actually trained some of the people from Fight the War Within Foundation. Miranda went through the training. And so she is, if I remember right, she is now trained to be a trainer for this. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, super exciting. They're trying to get lots of the VFW, American Legion chaplains, active duty chaplains, uh, pastors, communities around there. So, uh, you know, it should be a great event. And, you know, again, just trying to help the work, you know, help people who are really struggling right now. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's coming up. Is that free? Did you say? Uh, it's $15. Okay. 
And because uh, that's paying, I think, I don't know what, what the cost is as far as the facility there at Armstrong or um, what that also that's providing. But um, the flyer that I have says that scholarships are available, but they just need to contact Dre. Uh, that's the point of contact. Dre was on season one. He was yeah. one of the guys that I interviewed, a former Night Stalker. And he's sort of organizing, leading this whole thing, which again is just incredible considering his story yeah, and sure. where he's gone, and and he's really uh, moving forward with purpose in this. So, yeah. Um, and I'll make sure we put his, you know, that's just contact him via email, or and again, the listeners can just contact me too, and I'll make sure they get hooked up with Dre. Okay. That. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so going from that, I just want to shift. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to just talk about this briefly. Is on August 26th out in Coronado, California, uh, the 160th had an aircraft crash. They uh, were doing training out there, uh, assume, I assume with Navy SEALs, but I don't think the article went into depth of that, but uh, one of their MH-60 Blackhawk helicopters had crashed. And out of that, uh, there were two special operations soldiers, two Night Stalkers that were killed. And, you know, that's always a hard thing. Anytime that happens, I mean, it, it just brings up memories and yeah. of having to go through the same thing. But, you know, it was uh, Staff Sergeant Vincent Marchetta. Uh, he was one of the uh, soldiers that was killed. And then Sergeant Tyler Shelton. And, um, you know, our hearts go out to the families and to uh, the friends of those guys that were killed and uh, thankful for, you know, their level of dedication and, um, for the training that they're able to do. And also for, you know, I think both of them had a couple of combat deployments at least. Uh, if I remember Staff Sergeant Vincent Marchetta, he was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross. And he also had an Air Medal with Valor. So, you know, these guys were heroes. They were, you know, doing what needed to be done. And unfortunately, accidents are still gonna happen though in training. So, uh -huh. um, terrible thing for that to happen, but. So right now, Stacy is out in California. Um, she started the Mighty Oaks program last night, the Women's Legacy program. And so she flew out there with Lisa Denton, again, both guests on the show from last season. And so they got out there to California and landed in San Luis Obispo. But one of the things she said is they almost had to divert because of the fires right now. Yeah. They say the smoke is so bad, just in all of California, but there was some talk that we we're going to have to divert to either Bakersfield or Los Angeles. But I guess they were able to actually be able to get in there and land at San Luis Obispo. Yeah, man. So, but yeah, so they're out there. They made it out there. They're staying. Uh, it's a ranch somewhere outside of San Luis Obispo. Um, Arroyo Grande, if I remember right. Somebody was willing to host. They've still got to be very caref careful with the restrictions California has on as far as COVID and oh. social distancing. But so they're in that training right now. I know that they're both going to come out of that just uh, more equipped, just better awareness of their identity. Um, and also, you know, their identity with Jesus and as a spouse of combat veterans. Um, and then I'm, I'm sure because knowing just both how they're both wired, how to help others with yeah. that. So it's going to be exciting to see where they come back. So she will be back Sunday. So for the next few days, I am bacheloring it with my two cats. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, cats are swinging from the ceilings. And now is she still doing her uh, thing at Forsyth that she was doing with the tell me your story? 
Um, no, she has not. She has not been able to have a chance to do that recently. So um, I know, it's, you know, again, she still talked about it and she'll do that sort of ad hoc now too. Yeah. And again, just it's, it's so neat to watch her walk up to a complete stranger and just engage and make yeah. that person feel uh, uh, worth something. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, it's not banging them over the head with the Bible or, and sometimes it's not even, you know, bringing up Jesus or religion. A lot of times it does because so much of our worldview is formed around spirituality yeah. for anybody, yeah. you know, but that gives you a good chance to just to talk to somebody and let them know that, Hey, you matter right yeah. now. And what's going on in your life? Is it good? Is it bad? Yeah. So really appreciate that. So yeah, so they're out at Mighty Oaks right now. So uh, big shout out to Mighty Oaks and what what they're doing. But so speaking of the California wildfires, uh, and just sort of sticking with the theme of, you know, veterans and the army, there was also that was also in the news this past week. Uh, did you get a chance to see there was the uh, the rescue of it was a bunch of campers mm -mm. that were out there? Yeah. So apparently, I'm a, I've got their Facebook page pulled up. But there was a fire uh, south of Yosemite that, that had sprung up around the Mammoth Pools area. And the fire basically engulfed the only way out of these campgrounds, these camping areas. And so these people were stuck around this, this lake. Yeah. And, um, and so they had to basically collapse in towards the lake. Something like, you know, some things I've read 160, some maybe 240 people. But a lot of people were basically surrounded. No way out. That's crazy. Yeah. And what's crazy, yeah. they didn't have cell phone coverage. Yeah. There were people that knew that they were there, but, you know, for the most part, they weren't able to communicate with the outside world. And so they really didn't know what was going to happen. There's some incredible footage of these people, you know, trying to get closer to the lake from their camping site. You know, again, driving through fires on both sides of the road. And uh, I, I, I mean, it was scary just watching that. Yeah. I know that there was a few fires um, at some point this year, but it was like, man, it seemed like the year was almost going to pass without right huge ones happening. You know? Oh no, it's it just it's it's blown up. Yeah. Um, literally, I mean, literally, these fires are exploding oh, yeah. right now. Yeah. And so the word went out to the California uh, National Guard to see what they could do to help. And so they're in Stockton, California. There's a um, there's, uh, at least some of the, there's of the 40th combat aviation brigade and they have both Chinooks and Blackhawks. And so the call went out to them and there's some great shots out there. Um, you know, we'll have these pictures in the video as well and some links to the articles, but they launched both a Chinook and a Blackhawk to basically, let's see if you can go find these people. Yeah. So they didn't have radios. They didn't have nothing. And so the Chinook and Blackhawk launched up to... Mammoth Pools, California from Stockton and started to search. And they said, you know, I was reading some of the, um, some of the accounts of, uh, from the pilot, the, one of the main pilots was chief warrant officer five, Joseph Rosamond. He's a 23 year veteran of the guard and was, he was the pilot in command of the Chinook. And so this is an experienced aviator and I'm, you know, I'm going to assume, you know, he probably had, you know, combat experience, but he said it was just, you know, walls of smoke and flames and embers and you know you, you had to pick a path to get through this stuff yeah um you know at the same time making sure you're not going to run into mountains and um and whilst looking for people yeah and so these 
you know, they went up there, they flew and they were able to find them and they were able to land right next to the lake. And I think they used a boat ramp from when I was reading these accounts and, um, you know, and they're just making stuff up as they go at this point. Yeah. They said that the people that were being rescued, they'd already sort of done a triage to get the people that were injured on the, on the aircraft first, smoke inhalation, those types of things, get them on the, on the first sortie. And they completed a few sorties to get everybody out. But uh, there's a photo now of the back of the Chinook. And it looked, I bet you there was probably at least 50 people on the back, if not more. Yeah. And just, you know, and so hats off to those guys, uh, the pilots, you know, and again, it was um, just an incredible thing. There were CW5 Rosamond, CW2 Hellbane, Sergeant Escaville and Sergeant Powell were on the Chinook. And, you know, hats off to them. And then there was also the Blackhawk that was out of Fresno, uh, CW5 Godding, CW2 Hernandez, and WO1 John um, were in the Blackhawk. And they just, you know, did what they were supposed to do. How many passengers can a Blackhawk hold? Uh, I mean, I think for seats, 9 to 12, you know. But again, I'm sure that they were able, you know, whether they put the seats up or didn't or had people sitting on the floors, you know, but this shot from the Chinook, I mean, literally, I mean, there's people all on the seats and there's only, there's technically 33 seats with seatbelts, but you know, and again, there were people sitting on the floor, laps standing, um, and just, you know, thankful they were able to get, get everybody out for sure. So hats off to uh, these crews and the national guard and, you know, they're doing quite a bit, with these wildfires right now. They're actually, uh, they, act, they have three predator drones that they're using right now to also help with the wildfires, monitoring the fires and um, that are part of the National Guard. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, I ordered a new laptop last week. Just, oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get rid of, I got my, you know, for the viewers, I've got the trusty MacBook Pro from 2013. Yeah. So I'm I had one. I'm going Windows. Oh yeah, what'd you get? Uh, Lenovo. Okay. Yeah, they just came out with a new uh, AMD processor for their Lenovo Lenovo T series. Mm-hmm. I went on Reddit. There was actually a Discord channel for laptop recommendations, yeah. and so I chatted with some people for a few for about 20, 30 minutes, and sort of nailed it down to this one. So yeah, I've been you know that one that I just uh, recently bought has a AMD forty eight hundred in it, and okay. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Everybody's, I mean, and it's 200 bucks cheaper than an Intel. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. So unfortunately I had to, I custom ordered a couple of things. So it's going to be a few weeks before yeah, I yeah, get it. Yeah, for sure. So they had some ready to ship ones, but yeah. didn't work out. You got it from Lenovo's yeah. site? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was a discount code I was able to use a little bit. So that helped out as well. Yeah. Cool. Keep the cost down. So, yeah. So I'll be, uh, I mean, I use a Windows desktop anyway, yeah. so it's not that big of a switch, but I just, I can't justify paying the Apple tax. <laughs> They're you great know, products. Yeah. I follow a uh, producer out in LA and he, uh, he specced out one of the new Mac pros, the desktops for, you know, he was just like, I wonder how much they would let me spend. And it was like 54,000 for, uh, I mean, it was a crazy computer, you know, but wow. I mean, it really shouldn't even allow yeah. you to. I mean, to do it, right? You know, I, you know, the Apple versus 
Windows uh, argument has gone on for so long. It just, you know, like in the field that I'm in, there's just, it, it makes no sense to have a Mac anymore. It just doesn't. Right. Unless you're being required to edit using Final Cut or you're like a Pro Tools user and mix mm-hmm. in for Dr. Dre or something. I mean, it just, right. you can do all of it, you know, from Windows yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. if you are like Dr. Dre, who yeah. I think he's a musician. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Correct? Okay. See? Yeah. I'm hip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can afford having those $54,000 computers yeah. too. Yeah. You know, but yeah, if, if I'm paying for it. No way. No. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So that'll be in a few weeks and then I'll make the transition from the MacBook over to the, to the Windows computer. But I know it's a lot lighter, a lot smaller, thinner. So, but, and I think I'll still be able to sell this MacBook probably for a few hundred bucks, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, probably so. You yeah. know, so that's good Don't bring stuff. it to GameStop. I was in there yesterday and somebody called in trying to trade in the iPhone and the guy was like, oh, well, you know, we can give you 30 bucks. I was like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So as we're recording this now, it's uh, September 10th and, um, you know, when this episode comes out, which will be still another like week and a half, I think. But tomorrow, obviously, 9-11 and 19th anniversary. You know, I know you're going to be doing your podcast later today and talking a little about that. And But, you know, again, life-defining moment for us, just like uh, other moments were for other people, like, you know, Pearl Harbor, Kennedy assassination, uh, the Apollo moon landings, um, things like that. And again, it's, you know, marked our lives. And... Yeah. You know, it's affected everything in our generations. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So I did see, uh, without getting too political, (laughs) Trump was uh, talking about, again, just bringing more troops home, you know, and, and, um, you know, whatever the motives are, you know, I I can't think of anything better. I mean, 19 years. I mean, this is is the forever, forever war. Yeah. You know, Russia was in there for like 10 years. Uh, Vietnam was, I mean, we were involved in Vietnam from what, like 61, 62, like at least with advisors, I think, to what, 73, 74. So that was only 13, 14 years. And uh, I mean, is is um, effective democracy established there? No, Yeah. no, it, it and again, you can, you know, all the talking heads, politicians, yeah. and I mean, maybe in, maybe in the big cities, Kabul or yeah. Kandahar, but not really. It's still corruption. It's still, you know, um, and again, they don't care. Yeah. And that's fine, you know. And at the same time, obviously, you know, at the same time, though, that, that's breeding grounds for extremism and yep. training camps and, you know, which will probably still require some military action in the future, yeah. but... There's no reason for us to keep, especially in Afghanistan. You know, maybe Iraq, Syria, still a different story. But in Afghanistan, yeah, we need to be done with that. How, so whenever you were there, how, what was the time gap? Cause I know that you mentioned in one episode last season uh, that there was where y'all were at, had all this old Russian equipment. Yeah. What was the time gap between whenever they were there and you were there? So they, um, I think they invaded in beginning of 80 is okay. when they invaded. And then, so 
you know, there, so there was probably a 12, 13 year gap from when, because they were there for about 10 years. And so they left 89, I think, wow. 88, 89. So, wow. yeah, but they're, you know, just rusted hulks and, and it's gonna be the same thing. I mean, all the buildings, all the infrastructure we've built, as soon as we depart, uh, I mean, they don't have the money to keep it up. Yeah. Same thing with the equipment. And, you know, I was reading some things about, you know, we've built up their air force, helicopters, airplanes, fighters, those types of things. And, uh, but majority of those are maintained by Americans, their contracts with Dynacor or, um, any Lockheed, things like that. But as soon as those contracts go away, I mean, those, they're just not going to be able to maintain them, you know, either because of cost or, and again, the people just aren't trained to the same standard or, and again, they just don't care. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting hearing kind of the two perspectives. Uh, so we've had on the neglected, we've had on a few different people from the Middle East that are refugees. We had, uh, one lady from Syria mm -hmm. and then we had a man from Afghanistan as well. And he had worked as an interpreter uh, with the troops there. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, his perspective of it is like, don't leave, you know, whatever right, you do, right. don't leave. You right. know, same thing with the lady from Syria. It's just, yeah. it's always interesting hearing, sure. you know, sure. the different well, yeah. perspectives of it. Because yeah. because as soon as we, and we're going to talk about a story here in a second um, of what happens when the extremists yeah. are allowed to go crazy yeah. and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, I get it, no. but and yeah, I don't know what the right answer is. Oh, no, no I, I <laughs> right? don't either. I, yeah. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I no, yeah. I, I get it. But but again, it's, it's a good point of view. I mean, yeah. I mean, these people and it, we don't hear those stories either, yeah. but these people are grateful for the Americans and, and there are, they are there and they're they are trying to make things yeah. better. Yeah. Um, but they still have family there. Yeah. And they know that as soon as we pull yeah. out, it's going to go back to the way it was. Yeah. That guy, you know, one of the things he talked about was seven, eight years before 9-11 happened was whenever, uh, I guess it was the Taliban or, or whoever in his village came and started to kind of like slowly assimilate into their culture. You know, teachers that everybody had really respected stopped shaving and, mm -hmm. you know, started pushing uh, extremist views and stuff like that. And Girls can no longer go to school. Yeah. Things like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's more, you know, it's, I just find it, the perspective's interesting doing what I do. You know, it's military industrial complex and all this stuff. And then, you know, you listen to a story like Latif's and it's like, man, it's all heartbreaking. You yeah. Know, no matter right. what way you look at it. Right. Yeah. 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 Because that military industrial complex is so large. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, it, you know, and so that's not right. Yeah. What's going on there and all the billions of dollars that are being funneled into that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want, and I'm glad I had the best tools available. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that's a lot of money that could be spent elsewhere too. Yeah. I was Googling something last week. I can't remember. I wish I could remember what it was, but it was some device or, or, I can't remember, but one of the first uh, links that popped up was a Lockheed link. And I was like, what are they in the 
it was some some silly industry that you wouldn't right you wouldn't expect them to you know mm -hmm. so it's oh it's, it's weird yeah the whole contracting realm um have you ever seen the movie war dogs mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's a true story yeah and the, the fact that these two kids what i think they were 19 20 mm -hmm. 21 were able to fund the afghan war yeah. more or less. not fun but supply a yeah. large portion of it yeah. you know in iraq too i mean I, yeah. I think that they actually they drove into iraq with some of their shipments mm -hmm. and and um you know that whole contracting thing you know like if you start looking at some of these contractors that are out there and um and they've got all these different things but you know really it's just like three people sitting behind a laptop yeah. and figuring it out yeah it's crazy cr yeah absolutely it's is crazy. Uh, before we get into the, you know, the last thing I want to talk about just for a few minutes, um, Joe Rogan, we were just talking about him before we started our podcast and tell me, tell the listeners, how much is he getting paid for Spotify? Yeah. A hundred million dollars for an exclusive three yeah. month, just three so, months. <clears throat> so nobody knows for sure how long it is. I've, I listened to every I listen to every episode, give or take, you know, one or two here or there. Right. But uh, I mean, in one episode, he slipped up and said that it was a, they offer you this much money for a three month deal. You, you know, so who knows how long it is, even if it's a year or five years. Yeah, exactly. You know. But <laughs> uh, yeah, at some point he, he kind of, insinuated that it was a, a very short deal. Yeah. So, um, for them, you know, for people like him with huge podcasts and, and probably for Spotify as well, uh, having more people interested in their platform, especially whenever they, they have like a stable video one is, would be a big deal, especially if they can present, uh, some of the censorship and copyright stuff. That's one of his main reasons for going there is that, he can play his videos and he can play his audios and stuff like that, that typically uh, they would have to mute and that type of thing. And gotcha. so the listeners don't know what's actually happening. Right. You know? Right. Right. So that's kind of, but you know, also it's a, it's an exciting thing just to know that something like that could happen, you know, at all to anybody. So, um, I mean, that's sure. That's super star. That's, you know, Taylor Swift money. Right. Yeah, you know. exactly. Or Dr. Dre or. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Look, I, I don't I, I hardly do music at all. So the, no, Dr. Just, yeah, yeah. the Dr. Dre reference was a <laughs> was a, a really obscure one. Right. To right. Be honest with well, you, I'm just but, trying to yeah, you yeah, know, show the yeah. listeners that even though I'm 50, almost yeah. 51. Yeah, I still. Well, look, I'm 30 and I'm sure that if a teenager watches, they would be going, who's Dr. Dre? You know? That's true. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'd be something else like, yeah. was it K-pop? Oh, yeah. Who knows, <laughs> man? Some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a hundred million. And uh, so, hey, crazy. And his new, I agree. Yeah, his new studio does not look just yeah. the design on the inside. But I'm sure that the, the concept, you know, was, was probably really right. amazing. <laughs> looking right you know but, but he can redo it next week if he wants yeah. to well like i said he uh if if anybody watches us or or 
<laughs> listens to it or or more or less not more or less but his specifically you'll kind of see it has like this dome shape it almost looks like they're sitting in like an airplane or something like that right it's like just buy an airplane at that point yeah you know, exactly then you can <laughs> you can uh interview whoever you want right right but yeah it's a lot of money mm-hmm. and uh but again i mean it's it's really exciting you know for just the industry in general nobody deserves it uh more than he does I yeah mean, he you know, I, I tell people this all the time. It's like if you if I had the choice between sending my kid to high school and just sitting there and, and watching that and but them still learning like the basis of algebra and stuff like that, I'd do it. I'd do it, you yeah. know, because there's not a better source of compiled material and experts and and all that than mm-hmm. than his show, you know. So, I mean, I'm happy for him, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about, again, this was uh, in the news over the past week, um, but there's going to be a new Medal of Honor uh, recipient coming out. Okay. Uh, the Army has a, uh, a press release. They, they've got a great, the Army does really a great job of, of highlighting the individuals that have won the Medal of Honor. And, uh, so this one is going to be uh, awarded to Sergeant Major Thomas Payne for actions that he did while he was in Iraq. And uh, it's it's an incredible story. And again, just, you know, I mean, I think all all Medal of Honor stories, they're heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. The, but again, just an incredible um, demonstration of bravery, of selfless service, of courage, of, you know, literally of, of the warrior ethos. And uh, he talks about uh, during this time, it was actually in, uh, it was on October 22nd, 2015. And he was part of a task force for a hostage rescue mission. And they were act- they were working with um, host nations soldiers as well. So it was, it was both a combined uh, American um, and Iraqi security forces that were going in to rescue Iraqis. And so, you know, who were being held hostage by ISIS in Mosul, Iraq. And so going back to what we were talking about, if the Americans weren't there, these people yeah. probably would be, would be dead. And they ended up rescuing 70 hostages uh, that were being held by ISIS. Um, you know, I assume that because they wouldn't agree to their beliefs or agree to sign up or, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, and, and ISIS isn't, you know, these aren't, you know, maybe some are Christian, I don't know. But, you know, they also do these things to Muslims as well, to yeah. the ones that won't follow their way. And so there's a video that they have a seven minute video of him being interviewed and telling his story. But he talks about how he is, they ended up after they get off the Chinook helicopters, they have ladders with them to get up on top of the roofs of the building. And so they're up on top of this uh, roof of this building at some point during the mission. I don't remember where, but they, the guys inside the enemy fighters start detonating their suicide vests right below them. And so the building is just shaking and coming apart and, and, you know, and they drove on, um, you know, uh, Sergeant Major, he, Payne says later on, you know, he talks about that there was one that was KIA, good friends of theirs, but, and again, just another guy that was selfless service, um, and he was willing to just, you know, do what had to be done and which was run towards the gunfire. That's the type of guys these men are. Yeah. You know, they, they run towards the gunfire yeah. and, um, 
you know, the fact that, but that they do that is just an incredible uh, testament to, to their own intestinal fortitude, you know, cause some, I mean, and some of that comes from training that they receive and, you know, and while they're in the Ranger regiment or again, whatever branch of service, but there's also something, you know, that they've been brought up the way they've experienced life that causes them to react in those moments. So Sergeant Major Payne, one of his good buddies, uh, they didn't know was killed until they got back from the mission was, uh, master Sergeant Joshua Wheeler. And again, he was just the guy that, you know, let's go. And I think they said, uh, Sergeant Major Payne says in the video that the last words that Master Sergeant Wheeler said as he's running towards a gunfire is on me, as in, you know, follow me type of thing. Yeah. And off he went. And so, you know, and again, just it's an important story for people to know. I, I highly encourage the viewers to go watch his, uh, Sergeant Major Payne's video that the Army did. Um, they do a great job of, again, of just letting him tell a story. Uh, you know, sorry, Major Payne, like I think all Medal of Honor recipients say, this isn't a medal being awarded to me. It's, it's, it's for, it's the country. It's the guys I served with. It's Master Sergeant Wheeler, the guys that have gone before me. Um, and again, that just speaks to their humility. Yeah, for sure. You know, so uh, thankful for great Americans like that. <clears throat> yeah that's what i had wrapped up for the show today all right have a good week quinn yeah, yeah for sure you too all right 